This confirmation process has become a national disgrace. And as we all know, in the United States political system of the early 2000s, what goes around comes around. Mm. And maybe it's coming around, isn't it? No fair remembering stuff. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. That's why. I got the feeling that something ain't right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. I am. Barely. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast that's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA, also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN, up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ. Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ. In Seattle on KODX, uh, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. Fairmont, West Virginia's WEFR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM 950 KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the Internet on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, No Lies Radio, Detour Talk, and most of your favorite podcast sites, Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. My huge thanks to both Desi Doyen and Nicole Sandler for covering for me yesterday. As you may be uh, able to tell, I have been overtaken by a sinus infection and or cold that has left me uh, well, Des, I, I don't sound great today, do I? <laughs> well, you do sound a little different. That's true. But, but you know, you really wouldn't have wanted to hear me yesterday. As bad as this also is. Also true. <laughs> yeah. So I, I actually I wrote about it on the blog a little bit a day or two ago. Uh, but, but after uh, not being sick with a cold or a flu for, I don't know, maybe 10 years, I've now been hit three times over the past two months. Twice with COVID in January, and now this, which, as I noted at bradblog.com, isn't COVID, even though it is not entirely unrelated from my infections last month, which you can read all about at the blog. Now, uh, Desi thought I should probably stand down today as well, because I am having trouble getting uh, over this, and she's probably right. But given the amount and the importance of the news that has broken between the time that she and Nicole got off the air yesterday and today, I kind of feel like I sort of had to be here today. So trying to pull myself together for about, I don't know, 58 minutes. Uh, Forgive me if I sound off my game for the next hour or so, but I've got much smarter folks standing by who will sound much better than I, as frankly they always do. Uh, That said... (laughs) Since I haven't been able to either fully keep up with everything that's come in over the transom over the last 24 hours, uh, I I figured I'd call in a few friends to help me and maybe help all of us make some sort of sense of 
several different messes. Plus, I am always looking for an excuse to bring either of today's guests on the show. And since Donald Trump wussed out on the rest of the GOP debates this year, this seems like the perfect excuse to have them. Among the fire hose of news that has broken over the past 24 hours or so since Des and Nicole last spoke with you, the New York State Legislature has finally adopted a new U.S. House map for uh, 2024 that is not a gerrymander but could help Democrats move a little bit closer to regaining a majority in the House this November. Congress appears to be trying to avoid a government shutdown deadline this weekend with a short-term extension to keep services up and operating for another week or two before Republican House Speaker Mike Johnson says he will pass a full 2023 budget, though questions remain if Republicans in both chambers of Congress will allow the agreement to get over the finish line. An appellate judge in New York has refused to halt Donald Trump's $454 million fraud penalty during his appeal after the disgraced former president and GOP frontrunner for the 2024 presidential nod offered to give the state a bond for no more than a quarter of that judgment against him for his years of massive fraud against the state. New York said nope. A state judge in Illinois has ruled that Donald Trump may not appear on that state's primary election ballot after being found in violation of the U.S. Constitution's Insurrection Disqualification Clause, or Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, even while putting that ruling on hold pending Trump's certain appeal and the U.S. Supreme Court's pending ruling on a similar finding by the Colorado State Supreme Court. A federal judge in Texas has blocked for now a state law that would have allowed Lone Star state law enforcement officials to preempt the federal government's control of the U.S. border to allow state cops essentially to arrest and deport migrants that they believed to be here unlawfully. That as the largest single wildfire in Texas state history has now broken out in the state's panhandle amid an astounding winter heat wave in the region, saw temperatures reach into the 80s and 90s in February. We will cover some of that in our latest Green News report later this hour. Yes, we will. And internationally, the number of Palestinians killed in Israel's continuing offensive against the people of Gaza has now ticked up to more than 30 thousand over the past five months, according to the Hamas-run Gaza Health Ministry, a tally that reportedly includes mostly women and children. Now, any of those stories, of course, on their own <laughs> would deserve an hour of focus on the broadcast. But the story, to be frank, that pretty much knocked me out of my sickbed when the alerts started rolling in on my uh, iPhone on Wednesday was the one from the corrupted, packed, and stolen U.S. Supreme Court late on Wednesday afternoon that has become, frankly, only more enraging in various ways as I've had to ponder it over the past 24 hours or so. After waiting more than Two weeks to decide the matter, and after effectively pausing Donald Trump's previously scheduled March 4th federal trial date for his having attempted to steal the 2020 election, more, more, more th three months 
three months it has been. Uh, the uh, Supreme Court finally, in a one-page statement without dissents, announced that it would hear the matter of whether presidents enjoy immunity from prosecution for crimes carried out while serving as president. Three months ago, they could have made this decision. Jack Smith asked them to hear it. They said, no, let's let's let the lower court hear it first. And now they finally decided to hear it, pausing that trial for three months. Now, U.S. District Court Judge Tanya Chutkin, the judge overseeing the currently paused trial brought by special counsel Jack Smith and a three judge court of appeals panel, including a Republican appointee, all unanimously rejected Trump's claims that presidents have absolute and total immunity from crimes carried out while serving in office. For example, as Trump's attorney argued, even if a president were to order SEAL Team 6 to assassinate his own domestic political opponents, he could not be held criminally liable for that. The claim is obviously laughable, to say the least, found nowhere in the Constitution, and was believed to be on its way to blanket rejection by the Supreme Court by most experts, after uh, it received briefs on the matter from both Trump and Jack Smith more than two weeks ago. But rather than denying Trump's appeal immediately, as many had suspected they would, or doing so with one or two dissenters taking their time and writing their dissent, and further delaying Trump's criminal trial in the bargain, the court announced on Wednesday without explanation that they'd like to hear oral argument. After all in this ridiculous case, and they would do so on a quote-unquote expedited basis. That expedited basis is, oh, about seven weeks from today, in the week of uh, April 22, almost guaranteeing now that Donald Trump will not face federal trial for his attempts to steal the 2020 election before he runs again as the Republican nominee this year. As noted... Uh, regarding my condition today, I'm going to need some help dealing with all of the above uh, or whichever parts of it we're actually able to find time to plow through today. So joining us now for brilliant insight on whichever pieces of the news from the past 24 hours we can get through, which I'd have trouble wrapping my brain around even if I wasn't suffering through this latest illness, are our old two, two old friends, Digby and Driftglass. Heather Digby Parton is, of course, the much-beloved longtime blogger and proprietor of the long-running Hullabaloo and award-winning columnist at Salon. Driftglass is occasionally known as simply Bill. He has similarly been blogging for about two decades now and hosting the Pro-Left podcast from what he and his co-host wife Fran describe as flyover country, Illinois, each and every week. Welcome both of you back to the broadcast. Thank you for joining me on somewhat short notice to hold my hand through all of this, guys. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Let's, Thanks uh, for having us. You bet. Uh, let, let me begin with, uh, obviously, the SCOTUS decision on Wednesday to effectively delay Donald Trump's federal trial on attempted election theft-related charges until... Uh, well, maybe after the 2024 election, which if he wins, he can simply make all of that go away. Heather, let me start with you. Were you as stunned? And I really was just shocked by this. Were you stunned by uh, the announcement from the high court as I was? And, and what actually happened here as you see it, Heather? 
<laughs> yes, I was stunned. In fact, I threw something at the TV as I was watching, and it came over. Ketchup? Uh, was it ketchup? Was... Did you? Yeah, all right. Uh, it was not ketchup, and I won't tell you what it was. Okay. Right. Um, but yes, it was some. It was something. Um, but yes, I was infuriated, but you know, unfortunately, not entirely surprised. Uh, you know, all the the assurances that we had received from all the legal beagles that, of course, the 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 court's not going to take this case mm-hmm. because the bulletproof case by the appeals court it was just too good and you know they wouldn't do this and then i kept hearing this refrain in my in the back of my head bush versus gore bush Mm. versus gore bush Mm. versus gore nobody thought they'd take that case either and they did and so i was always kind of you know more or less accepting and expecting that they were going to take the case um and that they would do it probably the way that they are apparently doing it which is regardless of the outcome uh, uh, regardless of whatever decision they come to, and it's clear that there is some dissent among the justices on this. Uh, you know, it's obvious that that's what's going on. Mm-hmm. And um, whatever whatever conclusion they finally come to, the de facto uh, decision here is to delay, and delay helps Donald Trump. And, you know, I suppose that they might rationalize in their heads, well, you know, even if he he is acting completely crazy and wants to send out SEAL Team 6 to kill his political opponents and there's nothing and we don't think that's a good idea. He deserves to have a vote from the American people without this hanging over his head. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, that, seriously, I think that I think that's what what some of them anyway that might be less insane than the others may be thinking. Well, it has it's to be com- a, it has to be at least four of them in order to four of them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and yeah, go ahead. Just just to just to you know briefly follow up the 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 uh, the fact is is that is that this has been baked into the cake. I think from the beginning, I think that we were never going to get a trial before the election, and ultimately, everybody. I'm sorry to have to tell you this, but it's going to have to be the grinding out of a political campaign a presidential campaign and people are going to have to vote this guy out. There's no, they're not going to get any help from the judicial branch, which has been packed with Mitch McConnell's cronies for the last decade. And, you know, all we can do now is hope that the gears of democracy haven't been so gummed up that we can't win an election well, in November. No hope from the federal judiciary in any event. Uh, the state might True, be a different yes. issue. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, Drift glass, uh, given the timing here, you know, uh, th- three months be- after Jack Smith actually asked for such a, a decision like this, uh, two weeks for them to finally say, OK, we'll hear it another seven weeks before they actually will hear it. I mean, does it just give up the ghost here that this is simply a is, is this a corrupt decision, period, end of story? Uh, it's a corrupt court and that corrupt court has rendered a corrupt decision. And a whole lot of people have been twiddling their fingers and worrying and, and furrowing their brows about how how awful it is that you know Democrats, some Democrats are. If you start going around questioning the the legitimacy of the court, well, that that could be you know threatening to our democracy. That would be a bad thing. Yeah, but what happens when the court is illegitimate? What mm-hmm. you know what what other word would you like me to use? I mean, I, I seem to remember a woman by the name of Hillary Rodham Clinton, I think, mm-hmm. uh, warning that uh, Donald Trump could appoint, uh, appoint as many as four or five Supreme Court justices, and that would be very, very bad. And, of course, that was laughed off because, mm. and the Supreme Court, what does it matter? You know, that that's never going to happen. And he got what he paid for. You know, he, he packed the court with the, the help of um, his good friend Mitch McConnell, who's, you know, who's 
departing the scene at least a little bit. And I, I, the, the analogy I used when talking to my wife was um, Hyman Roth is not Meyer Lansky. Mm. And that's from The Godfather too. Mm-hmm. Hyman Roth is the mob lawyer, is the mob accountant, mm-hmm. uh, who is a bad guy who's based on the actual criminal Meyer Lansky. Hyman Roth is gunned down in an airport on his way back from Israel to the United States, and he gets his comeuppance. But Meyer Lansky died in his bed at the age of eighty with money in the bank, and and mm. you know, and he's fine. This is what actually happens to a lot of bad guys. Mitch McConnell will die in bed of old age. Donald mm-hmm. Trump is never going to see a day in jail because that's how things go. And the minute that these people were able to start packing the court, going all the way back to Clarence Thomas, um, this was coming. And so, you know, my my uh, my Senate can take a lot of pride, and Joe Biden can take a lot of pride in all the judges they've appointed. But every one of those judges can be overruled by the Supreme Court, and those guys are going to be there for the next twenty years. And Digby's 100% right. This is a going to be a straight voter fight. This is going to be a grinding campaign. At least it's clear now. At least we know who we can't depend on, right? You can't depend on the courts. You can't depend on the media. The Republican Party is insane and mm-hmm. and out and 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 out and proud about it. And it's a straight up fight between the good guys and the bad guys. So, you know, that's that's the world we now live in. Well, that is, of course, an exceedingly cynical view of all of this, which is what I would expect from uh, from, from you and from all of us at this point. Uh, and, and, and you know, you're mentioning um, uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, what she had warned about all of this. It reminds yeah. me, as I noted at the top of the show, uh, Drift Glass, you've got a... a, a, a a podcast that's actually called No Fair Remembering Stuff, where you remember oh, yes. stuff like that. Well, a- after hearing this uh, news over the past 24 hours, uh, I remembered something else. I played a bit of this at the top of the show. Let me play the fuller clip, and then I'll uh, I'll ask you guys something about it. This was then-Judge Brett Kavanaugh in September of 2018 at a Senate confirmation hearing after uh, a number of women had uh, testified that he had sexually assaulted them years earlier. Here he is responding with what sure sounded like, uh, to me at the time, like a threat. This whole two-week effort has been a calculated and orchestrated political hit, fueled with apparent pent-up anger about President Trump and the 2016 election, fear that has been unfairly stoked about my judicial record, revenge on behalf of the Clintons, and millions of dollars in money from outside left-wing opposition groups. This is a circus. I will not be intimidated into withdrawing from this process. My family and my name have been totally and permanently destroyed. This confirmation process has become a national disgrace. And as we all know, in the United States political system of the early 2000s, what goes around comes around. Well, Heather, with that in mind, uh, you know, in, in deciding to hear this uh, ridiculous immunity case, it only re- it requires only four votes on the nine person court. I'm I'm sure two of them were the corrupt in the bag for Trump uh, justices, Thomas and Alito. The third was almost certainly the Trump appointee, Justice Gorsuch. Uh, was the fourth vote uh, Justice Kavanaugh here? And if so, is this the uh, the, the go around, come around moment that he vowed during his 2018 Senate confirmation after Trump nominated him to fill this seat. 
It could very well be. And for all we know, Amy Coney Barrett was in on it too. And maybe Roberts as well. I mean, we just don't know. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, <laughs> that's the whole crew there. Um, you know, the, the, the corrupt Supreme Court, you know, the Republican Supreme Court justices. And certainly, you know, I, I mean, I did note that when you played it at the top of the show, mm-hmm. what Kavanaugh said. Mm-hmm. And, and hearing the whole clip, it just, you know, I'd forgotten just this, this sort of, you know, vengeance is mine kind of, of, you know, rhetoric that came out of a future Supreme Court justice. Yep. <laughs> and how that echoes what Donald Trump it says virtually every day when he's on the campaign trail and how, you know, fundamental that's become to the right in America. This idea, you know, and of course it stems from their ongoing sense of grievance that they've somehow been cheated of their, you know, right to dominate. Um, it's this it's this vengeance, um, you know, message that they give out over and over and over again. And I would not in the least bit be surprised if Kavanaugh wasn't sitting there as he contemplated his vote on this and that, yeah, I told you, you know, there we go. Yeah. This is the time with me. You messed with me. And I told you now, now you're going to, now you're going to pay. And the truth is that, that he, that we aren't going to pay for this. This isn't, it's just what, what, what drift. And I've just both been saying, Mm -hmm. it is very disappointing to think that there's no accountability for someone like Donald Trump. And, and particularly, the January 6th insurrection and his his attempted coup. I mean, if, if he can get away with that, it it you know it, it defies belief that we have what we have the country that we thought we had that there was even a vestige of the rule of law at least as it applies to the president. Well, of the United States. I got to say, I don't believe he has, at least not yet, defied accountability. And I hear you, and I, I know that everybody's worried about this, but I think he's facing actually quite a bit of accountability, uh, if only on New York State, which we'll talk about in a little bit, both at the civil and criminal level. And um, this is delayed. It is not ended, at least not yet. And I'll have you guys back on when, when somehow it is ended in, in such a way. Um, it is delayed. And, you know, you both said it's up to the voters at this point. Okay. But... There are other there is other accountability and this accountability is still on. This trial still could happen. It might not finish before the November election. It might happen after the November election if Donald Trump doesn't win. But I don't want to give up uh, all hope here. That said, uh, Drift Glass, the question of the court that the court has said that they will decide on is as follows, quote, whether and if so. To what extent does a former president enjoy presidential immunity from criminal prosecution for conduct alleged to involve official acts during his tenure in office? What official acts are they even talking about here? Do you have any idea? No. And uh, and I, I, I first of all, I don't think Brett Kavanaugh was involved because I have Susan Collins firm promise that he has learned his lesson. So it couldn't possibly be good old, good old Brett. Um, uh, no, because the lower court, I mean, this has also a conversation that's been going on with the lower court. sewed this up so tight. There was no place. There's no breathing room. They, they, they took the entire BS claim apart molecule by molecule and destroyed it and wrote up a very clear description of why everything that was uh, involved in this plea was bunk and and frivolous and ridiculous. And all the Supreme Court had to do was say, you're right. 
Uh, that, in fact, that's why we refer this back to you mm -hmm. because we wanted to hear what you had. And you've written the definitive, no rebuttal possible, ironclad proof that this is done. But that's not what they wanted to do. So they just wrote whatever, whatever they wanted. And they decided, well, we're not going to do double jeopardy because that sounds crazy. But we're going to hear them out on whether or not um, raising up an insurrection against the uh, federal government to overthrow an election is part of the president's duties. We'll hear you out on that one, which is insane, which mm -hmm. is just flat out insane. But, you know, <laughs> my wife and I get into conversations where she's quite right about the way things should be. And I say, yeah, but that's not the way they are. <laughs> What what they are are a series of corrupt decisions that put the Supreme Court in the hands of terrible people for mm -hmm. the next generation, mm -hmm. and they don't they're not accountable to anybody. The, there's no there's no uh, ethics they have to follow. They can they've written up their own ethics code that they are not obliged to follow, and there's no one above them to hold them accountable. It, it's it's mind boggling to me, frankly, and I, you know that any other there's talk about oh why doesn't. Clarence Thomas to recuse himself since his wife was involved yeah. in the insurrection. Never mind that. It's mind-boggling to me that any of the three who were appointed by Donald Trump would sit on a case without recusing themselves. I mean, you know, if 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 the the person standing before them was the chief at a law firm that they worked at, they would leave. But the here the guy who appointed them to sit on the bench for life his very future is before them, and they're all just ringing in on it like it's, uh, you know, totally normal. What? Why would we recuse ourselves from that? It, well, at least, at yeah. least a couple of these people committed perjury during their, their hearing. Yeah, they well, very clearly said, you know, Roe versus Wade is said law, and they voted against it. So they clearly lied during their confirmation hearing, which should be disqualifying. But once you get to the point where you're just, you, you're, you're at God Emperor level, you're, you're indestructible. Nothing can get to you. Mm. It then it becomes what sort of person are you? Mm. And these are terrible people. So <laughs> why would I recuse myself? Why should I? Why should I trouble myself? Why? Why can't I accept huge, you know, RVs and vacation homes and my mom's house paid off? Because what are you going to do about it? There, you know, are, there are what, no what court in the land that can you take me to? That's and right. They're above it all. Yep. Uh, Heather, um, our friend uh, Marcy Wheeler. A long, longtime friend, longtime investigative national security journalist. Uh, I would say the best in the nation, uh, perhaps in the world, uh, over at EmptyWheel.net. She's been just about her head's been just about exploding over the past 24 hours on Twitter, not over the announcement by the court, but by the response from those on the left blaming Merrick Garland for taking too long on this case. Are those critics of Garland right? They say that, you know, had he appointed Jack Smith, uh, you know, a year or two earlier, we would not be running up against this uh, election deadline at this point. Well, I mean, I, I can understand why people say that. And I've read all of Marcy's stuff on this. And, and she makes some, you know, she has chapter and verse on everything that Merrick Garland was doing and and the DOJ was doing in the you know prior to appointing Jack Smith um and her her you know evidence suggests that they were doing a lot and that it wasn't real it it really isn't a matter of them moving slowly that they were moving throughout that period it just wasn't so obvious so you know i'm no expert on that and you know i agree with you marcy's great and i and i will agree however just from an optic standpoint, mm -hmm. from an opt optic standpoint, for Democrats, this is very difficult to take. The idea that you have four years, I mean, we knew what he 
had done. We watched it happen live on television. We watched him through the entire post-election period. We saw his speech at the ellipse that day and the result of it. It didn't seem like there was that much, right, to, to prove here. And the fact that they, when we found out that the January 6th committee had a ton more information than the DOJ had developed over time, that was a little jarring. Uh, that, you know, even, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I'm inclined to give them the benefit of the doubt, too, um, because there was no, you know, why hadn't they talked to Cassidy Hutchinson before she appeared on national television mm -hmm. and told us all what was going on behind the scenes? So that was that was a little bit jarring. And the fact is, is that, look, if you just look through, you know, the, the DOJ came in with the the mandate and in, in their own minds and maybe from the White House as well. You need to start respecting norms. We have to go back to the way it was. It can't be the way it was under Bill Barr or, or Jeff Sessions or that toilet salesman guy. We can't do that. Um, you know, we've got to get back to to being serious people. And that means being very deliberate um, in the way that we make these kinds of decisions, especially the political decisions. So, you know, I think that that's what they were working on, but it's a different world. I mean, I think you guys would agree with me. I mean, it's not that I'm saying that they should explode norms or anything, but, you know, you're not going to be able to function in a world in this kind of asymmetric situation where you have one party that is, as, as Driftless just, just mm -hmm. explained, completely you know, outside the bounds of normal moral behavior and are seeking power for its own sake in, by any means necessary. It, it, you know, I'm not saying that you have to become them, but you have to be aware of what it is that you're dealing with and be strategic and, and intelligent and aggressive in the way that you deal with it. And I don't think the DOJ took it seriously enough mm. In the beginning, I will say that. Uh, and uh, Bill, well, I'll let you uh, ring in on that if you want. But I also I had to get out here. Let me ask uh, one more question on the way out. Uh, Trump is still going to be facing a criminal trial and well before the 2024 election, specifically his trial on 34 felony counts in New York state related to his hush money payments for, to uh, porn star Stormy Daniels to help him cheat in hopes of winning the 2016 election. Are we putting too much weight on the the Jack Smith federal trial here? New York, you know, can also order jail time for Trump. And they will almost certainly complete their trial well before the uh, Republican convention this summer with, with, you know, jury selection beginning in that trial on March 25. Is there too much that has been put into the Jack Smith case that, uh, you know, when there's a whole lot of other accountability going on. Yeah. Um, my wife has a song that she's been singing for years. It's entitled porn star hush money, uh, <laughs> which is the clearest and most simple case to prove. Did you pay this person off? Yes, you did. And I have no doubt that, you know, it'll go forward. Um, I certainly hope he's uh, convicted. Uh, my guess is he'll pay a fine, uh, if that. I don't know. I, I do know that there's a vast difference between going on trial in New York for making uh, payments to a porn star and going on trial for committing treason and stealing federal documents, top secret documents, and, and keeping them from the FBI. Um, one of them – and they're, they're all serious. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But one of them simply doesn't have sort of the load-bearing capacity mm. of the others. And and I'm sure that, you know, he's he's been in before he had to pay a fine for Trump University. Mm -hmm. 
but he walks away from those. Well, that's a and fine. Think, those were civil cases. Those were not criminal uh, cases. I, I understand. I just, I just don't think it has. I don't think he's going to go to jail. I mean, deep in my heart, there's a, a quote from um, Pompey, I think, Roman general. Um, Stop quoting laws to men with swords. Um, you know, these are violent, reactionary, scary people. And I think the minute the handcuffs go on Donald Trump. Uh, if they ever do, uh, very bad things will start to happen because there's a whole there's millions of people in this country who are heavily armed, furious and who have been convinced this is a political hit job. And he's he's being put he's being put in this position by his political enemies. They will not listen to anyone else say anything else. Fine. And, and if I that's think, what happens, we got to go through it, Bill. I yeah, mean, that's, I, I agree. That's <laughs> I agree. Too bad. Yes. And I will mention that I also have uh, several members in my family who are active duty military who will say hell no to that. Oh, yeah. So yeah. that's that one no. aspect. Of it. But there's one thing I think we haven't yeah. mentioned yet. And um, something that Rachel Maddow had sort of summed up very succinctly, um, that the right wing SCOTUS supermajority has set up the incentive structure for Trump to stay in power forever. If he wins in 2024, because it doesn't really matter when they actually make the decision if Trump gets into power and then after he's, you know, reelected or whatever that they decide, yeah, you know, you don't have immunity for crimes when that are committed when you're president. He has every incentive structure to make sure that he never leaves the office so he will then avoid prosecution. And he can, you know, at that point, there's no dislodging him. Yeah, and if he's convicted of porn star hush money, he will appeal. Right. And he will appeal again, and he will appeal right into the moment when he is dictator for life, and then it becomes, you know, irrelevant. Yeah, so uh, then we get back to the same thing, which is the last bulwark is voters turning out in big enough numbers to make sure he stays out. On all of those cheery notes, I need to take a quick break here, <laughs> and we will come back with uh, thoughts from our guests, Heather Digby-Parton and Drift Glass, on a few more of the breaking stories over the uh, past 12 or 24 hours, including arguably, I think, some much brighter news as I've been underscoring out of New York where the state judicial system has no Trump appointees on it and where they do not seem to be giving an inch on the $454 million fraud penalties that Donald Trump has been found to owe the state. That and whatever else we can uh, get to is straight ahead on today's broadcast. I am a sickly Brad Friedman. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bradcast. We are 100% listener supported. Thanks to listeners like you who drop by bradblog.com slash donate. Yeah, yo. Yeah, yo. More la la. Yeah, yo. Bitch, where the hell my money? Y'all should know me well enough. Pay me what you want it. Don't act like you forgot. Bitch, where the hell my money? Welcome back. It's... The Bradcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. That seemed to be the message from New York, the New York court system on Wednesday as Donald Trump's appeal was largely rejected within hours as he sought to get permission from the court to put up a bond for just $100 million of the $454 million penalty he owes in the massive state fraud ruling against him and his company, his, uh, his companies, his two eldest sons, and other top executives at those companies, Trump is hoping to appeal 
the fraud case, but he's got to put up either the full amount that is owed in cash or a bond for same in order to prevent New York Attorney General Tish James from being able to begin seizure of his assets to cover those penalties, even as Trump is fighting for his appeal. Again, within uh, just hours, an appeal, an appellate judge in New York said, nope, he's got to pay the full amount or offer a bond for it, though the appeals court did loosen the restrictions on Trump a bit in that the lower court uh, ruling had blocked him from working with any New York bank for the next three years. So he couldn't get a loan. He couldn't get a, a bond from them. So the appellate judge has now said Donald Trump can try, try and raise the money from a New York bank. But will any of them bite? We are joined today for a, a bit of a roundtable as I continue recovering from a cold uh, by our friends, the very smart Heather Digby, Parton of Salon and Drift Glass of the Pro Left Podcast. Heather, I have long argued that of all of the uh, of these cases, that it's actually the civil fraud case in New York that was quietly the one that was most disturbing to Trump for a whole bunch of reasons. What is your take on on what Trump is facing right now? I think. It's much worse than he's letting on. And uh, frankly, I think it's likely to ruin him as uh, do, do you think that uh, that that is possible? Am I right in, in my thinking here? I think you're certainly it's certainly possible. If you just look at the way he has reacted, I mean, in you know, he's running for president. He wins, you know, these primaries. He's got Nikki Haley out there. He's under criminal indictment. He's got all this stuff going on. There's a whole lot. And what is he talking about endlessly and relentlessly on his his uh, social media? It's this case. It's driving him absolutely crazy. And yep. it often happens in the middle of the night. We know he often, you know, mm -hmm. uh, posts in the middle of the night. But nonetheless, you know, you can tell this is a guy who's just up late at night worrying about this. And And well, he should. I mean, he's been bragging his entire life about having way, way more money than he actually has and being worth way more than he is. Mm -hmm. And now he's confronted with the reality here that he's going to have to show his cards. And, 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 and if he gets kicked out of New York, really is gone from New York and can't do business there. I mean, that is where that's the center of the financial system of the entire planet. I mean, he'll then be reliant on, you know, some kind of fly by night, um, you know, small, you know, investment funds elsewhere and foreign, you know, foreign <laughs> governments. Yeah. And honestly, this is one of the most shocking things to me is, you know, I don't know if, the, if there'll be any banks in New York that'll bankroll them. There yeah. may be, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, these all these rich guys stick together. But the truth is, is that he could and they even bragged about this in one of their filings or one of their testimony. I can't remember which. Uh -huh. I think it was Eric who who bragged about being able to sell their properties to the Saudis for you know vast sums of money. They could do it. And everybody, the eyebrows raised and went, mm -hmm. yeah, why is that, Eric? Why are they going to pay much more than everybody else for your stuff? Well, apparently there's no law against that. And he could Trump could do that tomorrow. But that would be and he done doesn't even have to sell anything. Well, but that would be done before the election. And I mean, because this bond has to happen or, you know, within the next 30 days or she's going to start seizing his property. So if that happens within the past, uh, you know, within the next 30 days, I would think we would know about it. Mm, depends on how fast you can set up a shell company. 
Exactly. And there are ways to hide all this stuff. And, you know, people, I mean, I've seen a number of people, read a number of people who were sort of analyzing this and saying this could be something we wouldn't know about before the election. We wouldn't really understand it. But even, here's the kicker. Even if we do, I have to wonder if it will make any difference. Mm. Will his people care that he's being bankrolled by the Saudis? I mean, look at his golf thing. Yeah. He started that golf thing with the Saudi investment fund. And, yeah. you know, they gave they gave Jared two billion dollars and nobody blinked an eye. It was just fine. Now, you know, so I don't, I think he could take money from Vladimir Putin could write him a personal check <laughs> and nobody would care. No, I shouldn't say nobody would care. We the would, and, right. you know, yeah. everybody. Yeah. But his, but his voters, I mean, he can he can literally do anything. That's why I keep saying and thinking that, you know, this is really about hand to hand combat with those people who do not care about anything he does and are now being fully backed by the Republican, uh, the official Republican Party, who are all either cowards or opportunists and who are running with Trump. And there's there's none left. I mean, you know, Mitt Romney, those kind of guys, they're done. And even Mitch McConnell, I mean, is checking out because it's it's over for for any sense that there's any it's anything but a MAGA party. And that is the real that's that's where the battle lines are and I gotta right get, there with that. I got to get out here shortly for our, our uh, latest Green News report. But I, there's a couple of a quick points I want to hit. Actually, Bill, uh, very quickly on this, uh, you know, Donald Trump had said he's got some four hundred million dollars in liquid assets, you know, in cash in the bank uh, during one of his depositions on, on one of these recent cases. W was he lying then when he said he had four hundred million in the bank or is he lying now when he says he can only afford to come up with 100 million in a bond to cover the 454 million dollar fine in new york well flip the coin i mean he's lying about something this is this is you know this is what we used to call a lose-lose dilemma um he, he's either lying under oath in one case or lying under oath in the other and and you know but the point being yeah he could sell one square foot of Mar-a-Lago to, to Vladimir Putin for a, for a billion dollars. Mm. And that's all legal. He can, perf he can, he can do that. So, uh, but, but the, the, this thing hanging over his head, this, this being perceived as broke, you know, how broke are you? Well, I'm putting Laura Trump, I'm trying to get her in charge of the RNC <laughs> so we can drain their funds into my pocket as well. But, you know, again, the, the people who vote for him don't care. They just don't. And, it, so it is uh, interesting and academic, and I think he's probably lying now. I think he doesn't have the money to pay this stuff. That's why he's trying to negotiate down to $100 million. He may have that. But he he he's getting away with it among his people. All he cares about is getting enough money to pay off whatever he needs to pay off by whatever means necessary. And if he's, once he's in the White House, he'll be selling Yellowstone. You know, he'll he'll sell everything. He he will strip this place like a like a carjacker. That would be that and, would be Yellowstone the National Park, not the TV yeah, show. It, yeah. No, Yellowstone. <laughs> well, hey, whichever one will get net him more exactly. money. Exactly. That's what he'll sell. Um, I got I got yeah. Go ahead, quickly finish, Bill, because I got one more question I want to no, hit. No, no, I just. Uh, uh, but you, the the core of the the question is correct. The thing that he cares about more than anything in the world, more than his children, more than his reputation, is his money. Is his mm -hmm. reputation as right. a money guy, and yeah. that. It's taken a massive hit. So in that sense, there is some accountability there. Uh, very quickly, you're, uh, this is on your home turf in the land of Lincoln here, the great state of Illinois. A judge on Wednesday yes. has uh, joined Colorado and Maine in barring Donald Trump from the primary ballot in your state. 
uh, yep. though that ruling has stayed pending Trump's appeal, which I believe he did uh, on Thursday. What, if anything, does that mean in a state that, you know, Trump was almost certainly not going to win anyway this November? Yeah, it, it's a it's a nice symbolic thing. And I appreciate that. I'm, you know, I, I brag about our governor who's doing all kinds of wonderful things. J.B. Pritzker, mm-hmm. future president of the United States, J.B. Pritzker. <laughs> uh, we have two Democratic senators. We have Democratic supermajorities in the uh, in the House, in the House and Senate at the state. I mean, they're three miles away from me. And so it was not purely, purely symbolic. It was something that needed to be done. I mean, it's a hygienic thing to do. Um, but I'm delighted. I'm thrilled. And of course, it's going to go down the same path to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court is going to say, nope. And that'll be the end of that. But I, I'm proud that my state is on the record as saying this man is unfit to run on a ballot in our state. Your governor will have to beat my governor for that uh, for the, for that access to the Oval <laughs> Office. Hey, would, it, would it we have these sorts of problems in the future? Right? There you go, Pritzker v. Newsom. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, you know what? I think I better just get out. I was going to open up a whole new can of worms. What was that can of worms? Oh, it had to do with uh, Israel. It has to do with the Michigan vote, uncommitted. I was going to give Digby 15 (laughs) seconds to answer it, but I figure I'll be... I figure I'll be fair, and we'll come back to that one another thank time. You. Hey, no, thank you guys both for uh, <laughs> for joining me here, getting me off the hook here while I am sickly. I'm sure I'll be uh, bothering you for same, whether I'm sick or not in the future. Heather Digby Parton can be uh, read and should be read every day over at her long-running hullabaloo blog. That would be digbysblog.net and over at salon.com. You can follow her on the site still known as Twitter at Digby b56 you can find drift glass and listen to his podcast at proleftpod.com he is also on the twitters at mr underscore electrico always delightful to come up with an excuse to talk to you guys i look forward to doing it uh in the very near future thanks guys but hopefully when you're not sick when i'm not sick yes yeah and just just if i may plug one thing you may Digby has the best summary of Mitch McConnell on the internets today. Is that right? Oh, nice. thank yeah. you. <laughs> His legacy as the grave digger of democracy is secure. <laughs> that would be over I think at Salon. That says it all. That would, Excellent. That's over at Salon. No, it's at Digby's blog. Digby's it's blog. I hear that's excellent. Yes. All right. I have too. Good. Good <laughs> plug. Thanks, Drifty. Thanks, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Get well soon, Brad. Thank you. Got to take a quick break here. We are back with Desi Doyen and our latest Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. You are listening to the Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. I'll stop the world that melts with you. 
Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Before we get to the uh, GNR today, Desi Doyne, do you mind if I embarrass you a little bit here? Um, I'm not sure. Well, okay, I will. Thanks. Uh, so it, we are celebrating our 15th anniversary of the Green News Report uh, this week. And uh, on our 15th anniversary episode, I noted that what, uh, well, to, to quote Kavanaugh, what goes around comes around, that on our very first Green News Report, you were sick as a dog. Yes. And I thought it was hilarious. And here we are, 15th anniversary of the Green News Report, and now I'm sick as a dog, and that you got the last laugh. Well, <laughs> longtime listener Ed writes in to say, uh, subject, 15 years, thumbs up. Desi gets the last laugh because her laugh and voice is true radio magic. Aww. Yeah, yeah, the 15 years of GNR is nice, says Ed, <laughs> but 15 years of Desi's melodious voice... <laughs> I know it might be a guy thing, but her voice is like sunshine. Sometimes I even pay attention <laughs> to what she's saying, <laughs> says Ed. Seriously, thank you both. Well, Aww. thank you, Ed, and thanks to everyone else who has uh, either written in or stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to help us celebrate 15 years of the Green News Report and uh, stay on your Public airwaves connecting the climate change dots in a way that no one else uh, has or does even now, much less for 15 years. Well, thank you so much. That was very sweet. I appreciate that. And I'm blushing furiously. <laughs> she is. <laughs> but uh, your voice, it is <laughs> like like sunshine. Okay, stop. You guys are going to make me afraid to talk anymore. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. All right. All right, I'll leave it go. Uh, anyway, very nice of uh, Ed. Thanks for that. And speaking of uh, Desi and Sunshine, let's get to it. Our latest Green News Report. It started on Monday in Hutchinson County and has already burned more than 850,000 acres. Historic winter heat wave smashes records across the U.S. and sparks massive wildfires in Texas. Plugging those wells is critical because it secures the pollutants from seeping into the ground and the water. Groundbreaking Colorado lawsuit seeks to force oil companies to clean up abandoned wells. Plus, shifting to electric vehicles and clean electricity will dramatically improve children's health, study finds. Will it improve mine? Maybe. I'll take it. All of those stories and more straight ahead. From bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. Scientists are resorting to once unthinkable solutions to cool the planet like dumping chemicals in the ocean, spraying salt water into clouds, and injecting reflective particles into the sky. It's all published in the New England Journal of Screw It, We're Just Throwing Stuff at the Wall. What happens if we blow up the moon? <laughs> this is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, I can't seem to shake this cold, so I'm tossing it over to you. What do you have for us today? Well, first, millions of Americans this week saw extreme weather whiplash, with high temperatures fueling volatility that hit much of the U.S. with heat, snow, tornadoes, and fires. In the central U.S., more than 130 new monthly high temperature records were set from Texas to Michigan, with temperatures in some areas 40 degrees above average for this time of year. It was higher than 90 degrees 
in Missouri yes. in February. And then they abruptly swung within hours to bone-chilling cold and snow. Everything's going fine. Omaha, Des Moines, Minneapolis, and Abilene all set new hottest-ever winter temperatures. In Chicago, the record heat generated storms and dangerous nighttime tornadoes on a very unusual storm track for this time of year that forecasters say is more typical of areas several hundred miles to the south. Mm -hmm. While weather roller coasters are common in the spring, studies indicate that man-made climate change is increasing extreme weather swings, with El Nino also providing another key factor. Well, you don't say. The unseasonable heat plus extreme dryness plus high winds sparked a massive wildfire outbreak in the rural Texas panhandle. The fast-moving Smokehouse Creek Fire exploded in a single day into the state's second-largest fire on record, forcing evacuations of residents and livestock. As we go to air, officials say at least one person has died as a result of the fires. Dozens of buildings have been destroyed. The fires also forced the evacuation and temporary closure of a plant near Amarillo that dismantles nuclear weapons. As it turns out, they have their own fire department at that plant. Hopefully, it'll be fine. Yes. Not entirely unrelated, way down at the South Pole, sea ice floating around Antarctica has reached an alarming new low for the third year in a row since satellite measurements began in the 1970s, due to global warming caused primarily by the burning of fossil fuels. Scientists with the U.S. National Snow and Ice Data Center say the alarming trend is further evidence that sea ice in Antarctica has undergone, quote, a regime shift and an abrupt critical transition. Thank you for connecting the dots between the melting ice in Antarctica and the fires in Texas because they are related. In Colorado, landowners have launched a groundbreaking lawsuit to force oil companies to clean up abandoned wells. The plaintiffs allege that oil giant Chevron and several other companies fraudulently transferred hundreds of declining wells to a small company that they knew would go bankrupt mm -hmm. in order to evade liability and avoid paying millions of dollars to properly closed down the wells, instead saddling taxpayers with the cleanup costs. That's what they do. There are millions of those abandoned orphan wells, and the oil and gas companies just keep getting away with it. Yep, and abandoned wells leach pollutants into the air, soil, and water. If the plaintiffs succeed, it could set a precedent for other communities grappling with abandoned oil and gas wells. Finally, good news for kids, the widespread transition away from fossil fuels to clean energy and clean electric vehicles will dramatically improve the health of children nationwide and save hundreds of infant lives by 2050. The new study from the American Lung Association calculates that childhood asthma rates would plummet as the nation shifts the power grid to clean energy and more drivers switch to zero emission vehicles. Pollution is more dangerous for children since their bodies are still developing and they have small lungs. The study found that the push for zero-emission cars, trucks, buses, and heavy trucks would create more than $1.2 trillion in health benefits for the U.S. by 2050. Can't happen soon enough. For much more on all of those stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com, where we are now celebrating 15 years of the Green News Report, thanks to those of you who support our work at bradblog.com slash donate. 
I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report. I can feel you breathe. Just breathe. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. By the way, if you'd like to embarrass Desi Doyen some more, <laughs> you can uh, email her at greennews at bradblog.com. Yes, Just please do. To Love we've, to hear from you. We've got an update uh, before we get out in that Texas story, that incredible incredible heat in the um, much of the midwest in, in yeah. recent days 80s 90s degrees yes it's very bizarre it is not normal for uh, for us winter and we're of course in the united states headed for what looks to be our warmest winter on record since record keeping began in the mid 1800s and a very sad update for that texas fire several of the fires have merged together and are now the state's largest fire ever recorded more than a million acres it's now spread into oklahoma as well because surprise fires don't recognize borders we had just uh said it was the second largest yeah hours later it's now the largest in history right and it's it's uh, no signs of stopping although there's you know some better weather that's coming in to help a little bit but the problem is that there's more hot weather hot and dry weather coming up in the forecast so whatever uh progress is made now could very well be obliterated when that comes around and uh, uh one of the uh, agriculture uh commissioner said in texas he told the dallas morning news that the fires have killed tens of thousands of cattle and they've had to close multiple school districts and there's a huge problem with getting enough feed and medicine for the cattle that have Mm. survived that were uh, burned by the fires because they couldn't get out fast enough so it's a and power outages are also occurring Uh, one of the electric providers said that their uh, towers have melted so it's going to take a while to recover from this and this is february moving into march yeah not normal this kind of heat uh i can only imagine what this summer is going to look like. All right, we got to get out. I got to get back to bed. Uh, my <laughs> thanks to our guests, Heather Digby Parton of Salon Drift Glass of the Pro Left Podcast. And of course, to our producer, Desi Doyen, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or you'd like to just listen to it again or share it with someone you know, love, or hate, you can do so for free at bradblog.com. While you're there, please consider hitting one of them donate buttons or going straight to bradblog.com slash donate. Drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks, Mastodons, and sites still known as Twitter, you will find me at the bradblog. We will see you at all of the above until we see you here next time. Hopefully I'll be better. Until then, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.